living the word today. So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what he wants to say to us. Livingthewordtoday.com. Look, the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living. Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. You can make your way to John chapter 4 as we continue the third part of our study from this passage of Scripture, part of a greater study we've entitled The Unknowns, These Unknown Servants of God. And as we uh, uh, come to this uh, reality of, of this this lady's experience meeting the Savior is going to be an amazing time for us to, together today. So we just pray that you would uh, uh, open your heart to, to the Scriptures today. Verse 27, John 4, and at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Isn't that amazing? Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out from the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know, of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Interestingly, up to this point in the passage that we've looked at here, this encounter with this woman at the well, Jesus talks to her about living water. She's at a well. She comes to, she comes to dwell, to, to, to draw water, I should say. And Jesus says, if you knew who it was, it says, give me a drink. She's, she's shocked by that because of the cultural and all the differences between the Samaritans and the Jews. So he comes to her and says, give me a drink. She says, you know, why is that? And she says, this about drinking and he takes that into the spiritual realm when he says if you knew who it was that asked you to give him a drink you would ask him and he would give you rivers of living water he takes something as simple as a drink of water and then transitions that into a spiritual truth what do you find in this passage of scripture with the disciples remember they had gone to the city to buy food they come back and uh, they said verse 31 you know it's time to eat Rabbi eat. He says, I have food to eat which you do not know. So once again, he's pivoting from something that they were talking about naturally, just food, water, and pivoting into something spiritual. Now, whenever we come into the Gospels particularly, you're going to find that Jesus is operating on multiple levels. And it's, if you can just kind of broaden your perspective a little bit, it becomes a very fascinating perspective on what he's doing. First of all, there's the, the level of he's fulfilling Scripture by, by being the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ sent into the world. So all that the Old Testament said of him, he has come to fulfill. He came to fulfill, as he said, to all the law and the prophets, which was a way to encompass the different parts of the Old Testament as we know it. Fulfilling Scripture. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But also then he's preparing his disciples. There's discipling going on. There's teaching going on. There's training going on. This is what I'm about. This is what you're to be about. This is how it connects. This is how you should identify things. And then there's the individual. 
He's meeting the needs of the individuals he meets along the way. And in this study of the unknowns, we've, but whether that guy carrying the water pitcher or the guy that had the legion of demons in him or the little boy's lunch that he brought to Jesus, all those unnamed people that God used in a special way to teach us something were people that he was using to meet, he's showing us that he was using his power to meet the needs of the individual. And then lastly, there's the level of, there's a broad universal thing of that reality to what he's doing. There's something in there that's a thing that's beyond what you see here. In this case, he's teaching us the standards of the church, that there is a harvest, that there is bread that we need to distribute. There's the living water that points back to Christ. There's this, this thing that's universal and always in place. So you're going to see all those in play in this passage, and let's just get into it. First of all, I actually want to look at his encounter with the disciples because the sam- it's, sandwiched, it's sandwiched between what he talks about with the, what it talks about with the woman and then her, the response of her people, okay? So we're going to have to look at it in two parts. But they show up. They've gone to go get bread, go get food. Verse 31, Rabbi eat. He said to them, verse 32, I have food to eat which you know, do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? You also see this in Scripture, don't you? <laughs> By the way, do we not often see this in life? Oftentimes, we see the obvious and miss the point. He's already, he's already talking about something that he says, I have bread that you do not know anything about. Well, did someone else bring him food? Did, some, did he go through a drive through on the way here? What, what, what's going on? Where did this come from? Did that woman that we saw going down the trail as we were coming up, did she bring in some food? He's already pivoting to something spiritual, but he has to now draw them from the ordinary. And by the way, isn't that what worship does for us? Isn't that what our experience here should do for us? We have all the ordinary experiences of life, and yes, we worship with God daily, and we spend time with Him, and we serve Him faithfully, and all those things. But when we come together corporately, like we are right now, we come to this place where we sing together, we pray together, we hear what God's doing in another part of the world, we, we have fellowship with one another, we talk about the plans we're making as a church for special events and things that we're doing and that sort of thing. With all that in mind, it brings us from the ordinary into an extraordinary meeting with God. If we come with that perspective, it changes everything. Well, there's four things that he teaches in these different, uh, maybe we'd say it this, these arenas, the arena of the church, the arena of the individual, the arena of the disciples, the arena of Old Testament scripture, all those things. He teaches us four things that we are sent to serve, and number one, we must do this. We must be people who defend the word. Now, the fact that he uses water and the fact that he uses bread is not by accident. It's not just that happened to be what took place that day. This is part of unveiling for particularly people who had an Old Testament perspective to understand that this one that we are meeting is indeed God come into the world. This is God in the flesh. I want to just read a few, two or three verses of Scripture uh, from Isaiah 55. You can turn there if you want or you can listen carefully as I read. It's a familiar passage of Scripture. I love Isaiah because Isaiah, probably more than any place else in the Old Testament, God speaks in the first person. I, me, and he speaks directly to us. And there's a great invitation found in the first three verses of Isaiah 55, and it says this, Ho, everyone who thirsts. Sound a little bit like John 4? Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Here and your soul shall live. Interesting how he phrases it. Here's an invitation. 
here, everyone is thirsty, I'm going to give you water that's going to just refresh your souls in a way that earthly water will not. You're spending money for bread, but the bread I'm going to give you, you don't buy with money. It's offered freely as a gift of grace. That invitation from Isaiah 55 is directly unveiled in John chapter 4. Here's the living water, the bread that I'm going to give, the harvest that's afoot. So it's all connected. You and I need to be in this world. If we talked about last week about fishing well. We talked about the week before overcoming the obstacles of being light and salt and a witness in this world. If we're going to do that, we need to understand that a lot of folks have a lot of skepticism about the truthfulness or the dependability of this book that you and I treasure. Yeah, it's, it's of value. It's, it's good. It's interesting. It's literature, maybe some history and, and some great moral concepts here. Great things to teach your children about telling the truth and being honorable people and being respectful and loving each other. Yeah, but is this truly God-breathed? God originated God's truth for us. And I understand, you understand too. It takes a little bit of audacity to believe that what this Bible says is true. That a man died, was buried, and rose again three days later. Let's just start with that. I mean, that's not an ordinary event. That's, that, that is an extraordinary event. That's a miraculous event. It's a divine event. But you and I need to be the people who, as we go into this world... Always point back to the scriptures. Well, how can you make them believe what they're skeptical of? Well, one of the things is that they see you with a strong faith and confidence in what you read in the Word of God. I think your confidence is the way that we defend that. You know, sometimes we see things in the Word of God that are out of sync with our culture that's around us. We have a culture of tolerance. Everybody's, don't ever tell anybody they're wrong on any subject. Because everybody has a right to their opinion as much as they have, as you do. And to say that there's an authoritative source that everybody has to believe, that sounds very narrow. It sounds very constraining. To believe that there's only one way to heaven, start with that. But you and I need to say that with confidence, because the Word of God says that with no, in no uncertain terms. And you and I need to be people who just stand in our demeanor, in our constant devotion to it, that we say it like it is and if people react negatively to it we don't we don't want to push anybody away but if people react negatively to the word of god the word of god is still the word of god so we need to know and trust it and secondly we also need to be people who are students of it you can't really defend and hold high and say this is what it's all about this is the source of truth this is where the the water of life comes from as jesus connected that old testament prophecy to himself in this passage, to make those connections to other people's lives that all these things long ago matter today, we need to know what it says. We need to be students of it. And you, this group of people, and it's so good to see you this morning, and to, that you've given time to study God's Word together. I love this conversation that we have week after week. Many of you are in a life group. You're in a small group. You're in a, in a, in a group that studies. Maybe you're part of one of our Wednesday life groups. Maybe you're part of uh, somewhere else that meets. Maybe you're disciplined to study the Word of God regularly and daily. You need to be a student of the Word of God. We need to express it truly because we are the connection point between what seems so old into the world today. Jesus took what was this old prophecy and connected to himself. Number two, this is going to be very obvious, okay? We must obey the Word of God. If we are not living what we're preaching, people will never hear what we're saying. 
You know, the old thing about that what we, what, how we live speaks so loudly that people won't hear what we say if there's, an, if there's a disconnect between the two. Now, this does not mean we act like we're perfect because we are not. And I can say on definite authority that I am not perfect, and you're not going to have a problem agreeing with that. And I can also say with definite authority that you are not perfect whether you agree with it or not. We, are not. we have not arrived. We are not in our final form yet. We are not like him because we don't see him face to face. That yet awaits. So we don't have to act like we're perfect, but we need to be people that we are making progress in life. That we are trying to make some changes. We are trying to put some things in and take some things out. So how do we do that? Well, we need to listen to his voice. As they come to this passage, he is taking to this point of obedience, and he says, verse 35, after he says this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Actually, it's 34, excuse me. That, that the will of God, Jesus fulfilled the will of God, and by implication, you need to fulfill the will of God. And he's going to talk about that in the next verse. With that in mind, he says we need to listen to his word because it convinces us or convicts us about the changes we need to make. Sometimes we need to change the wrong for the right. We need to confess our sins. We just know that in my thought life, or that in my practice life, or that in my speech, or that in my relationships, or that in my business practices, whatever it is, that right there needs to change. I need to confess that as sin. I need to forsake that as a believer, and I need to come into conformity of of living for him. Sometimes we need to change from the best to the better. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that activity, but maybe I can reorder my time and priorities so that I have more time for the spiritual realities in life. You know, there's some of there's some of you that are, there's some really physically fit people in this room, by the way. There's some, and then there's some of us that are trying to get there. Oh, let's put it that way. All right. But there's some of there's there's people in the world. and I'm not speaking of anyone in particular, but but they would never miss the day to do their normal exercise. They they go to the gym or they've got a machine at home or they run or they walk or they do push-ups or all those other really fun things that we all enjoy. And there's nothing wrong. That's good. You want to keep this body healthy. We all probably need to do a little better than we are doing to keep our body healthy. That's important. But sometimes we maybe need to arrange the best to make sure there's still time that we develop our spiritual lives. By spending time in God's word. We call it here as a, as a kind of a little marker to get alone with God. Yeah, some of us are, are maybe we've got to get to work or we want to spend time doing this or we've got to learn or we're doing this. All good stuff, but sometimes we need to just make sure that we reorder our priorities so we have time to listen to his voice and thereby it sets us up to be people who will be practicing his word. 35 says, do you say there's still four months then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Now, there's a speculation. I, I don't know for sure this is true, but you remember what's happening in the backstory. She's going away to the city, the woman. We'll come back to her story in just a moment. And then the people in the city are coming out to see Jesus. There's a possibility that where they were there and that, at Jacob's well, maybe they look down the road and they can see a little dust cloud coming. Maybe you could hear the, some footsteps coming up the hill. Or maybe something else. Maybe when he says, white unto harvest, right there they are. you say it's months until harvest. That would be the harvest of grain. But he said, no, th- here's the real harvest that's right in front of you. And part of that is the reality that, that they need to be in obedience to understanding their purpose. What was Jesus' purpose? My food, that which sustains me, that which drives me, is to do the will of him who sent me, and I will finish his work. What was his work? To bring in a harvest to bring in a harvest. And this is happening on either side of him saying that. 
He harvests this one woman, if you want to say it that way, in the, at one with the well. And through her testimony, a whole city comes out. And God does a great work that we'll see in just a moment. So we follow his example in, in being in the word. We have a willing heart to serve. We listen to his voice when he wants to change something that needs to be changed because it's sinful or change something that needs to change because we only need to do what is best. And then he says this, 36. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. Now there's no question that he switched from talking about bread and harvest to spiritual ministry. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you, did not, you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. By the way, in ministry that's always the case. Whatever we see accomplished with the Lord, somebody's done something to get you to that point. Someone's prayed, someone's talked to that person originally, someone's arranged it. We all work together. And you have this great continuum of the church. From, from the time of Jesus' ascension and the Spirit of God coming upon the church, we have this continuum of, of we just keep watering, we keep sowing, we keep planting, we keep harvesting. And that's our mission, that's our calling. We talked about this some weeks ago. Why did God leave us on this planet? He left us on this planet post-salvation so that we would do this. We would share His Word. Share His Word. As we, we obey it, we defend it, and then we share it with others. And that's what we're, we're to be doing. So here's a reminder today. So we, we understand with, with great enthusiasm, we do the reaping. Now, he told the disciples, I'm here to reap. You need to reap. You're reaping where other people have sown. And part of that was the culture of the Samaritans. They believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. They didn't believe in all the Old Testament like the Jews. They had different practices. But seeds had been planted of, of faith. There was, there was some understanding of God. There was some background of some spiritual truth. He says, that was, the, that was the planting, that was the sowing, and now we've come to this day to harvest. And now he's going to show them an example of what this looks, by, looks like. Go back to verse 27. We're going to see the, the story of this, this woman on either side of what he told the disciples. Uh, oh, let's pick it up at 28. The woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, by the way, remember why she was there? She was there to draw water. She had a water pot with her. The one thing that got left behind was her water pot. Suddenly what was important became unimportant. Why? Because she had a word to share. The woman then left her water pot and went away in the city and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? <laughs> and probably the things that Jesus told her, told all the things that she ever did, were probably things that she did really, not, really would not have wanted publicly exposed and discussed in the public forum. But she's so enthralled with this man. Could this be the Christ? And she's come to believe on him, uh, I believe at this point, And that's the reason Jesus said in her 26, I who speak to you am he. So she believes in him. She, with, with enthusiasm, she goes. And here's the response. Then they went out of the city and came to him. Now go down to verse 38 39 where we pick up the story. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Notice now, many have come to believe that the Messiah is out there at the well of Jacob. They believe he is there not because they have seen him or heard him because this woman has come and told her story. And this is how we share the word of God. We find a way to tell our story to someone else. Well, maybe there's things in my story that I'd really rather not to be made public. Well, maybe you don't have to make it all public, but here's the reality. 
If you're a believer in Christ, you're a sinner, saved by grace. That's the story that needs to be told. It's the story centered on God's grace, not how bad I was or how great I am now, but it's the grace that makes the pivot point. That's the story we tell. And she goes and tells her story. As we go fishing this week, as we continue to sow seeds out there, as we've talked about these last two weeks, I want to encourage you to include partly in that reality, that opportunity. Find an opportunity to share your story. Maybe it's like, you know, I used to think that. I used to be there. Or you know what? I'm just thankful that I'm not the person I used to be. Throw some of those phrases in and see what kind of conversations you can kick off. Because as we tell our story, it's powerful. You know, it's one thing for people to argue about a book that's old and ancient. It's very hard for them to argue about you and the change that's taken place in your life. And they see your demeanor. They listen to your heart. They know your love. They know your sincerity. They know your faithfulness. They know your desire to serve something beyond yourself, someone beyond yourself. So share your story. Tell your story. And you might think it's, well, I don't have much of a story to tell. But focus on God's grace. And then you have the end of the story. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. What goes on during those two days? All we know is what it says in 41. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you've said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the the world. We must also do this. Yes, we must defend the word of God, we must obey the word of God, must share the word of God, but we must support the spread of the word of God as well. Because through this person going to her people, the people come, they hear Jesus, and a, a great awakening spiritually comes in this area of Samaria. Now you also read over in Acts chapter 8 that Philip winds up there, and there's another great input of the gospel. Remember they send Peter and John there, and there's also the sorcerer who's that story in, John, in Acts 8. You can read it in Acts 8. But uh, God had his heart's desire set on these people to come to him, and he does that. And sometimes it takes, and I think it's very fortunate, I didn't really plan it this way, but God planned it this way. On this day that we've had an opportunity to have you folks with us, that you were willing to go from here to another place to spread the gospel. You and I, this, should, some of the, this should be some of the most exciting things that you and I get to do that through our efforts, our giving, our prayer, that we can help send, at least in in portion, send somebody over there to Ireland to tell people about Christ and see souls come to him and people growing in him and a church established and a church getting off the ground and a church going forward. Whenever you put money in that basket back there, a portion of it's going to support missions. And uh, that card, I hope you got plenty because I'm going to tell everybody to get one, okay? But uh, that card back there, take that with you. Pray for these folks. Pray for their children. Pray for them. Pray for their church. Pray for their ministry. Because God is in the business of spreading the word all around the world. In places that we don't know about. God has his people strategically located. And maybe, maybe there's someone in this room that God's going to call and he's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, I want you to go from here to there. If that's the case, we would rejoice in that as well. But if he doesn't tap on your shoulder and say, go from here to there, he wants you to be telling his story here. Interestingly, the woman at the well who didn't know Christ, the the focus was he needed to bring her to salvation. The disciples who were believers, the focus there was to bring them to a place of dedicated service. You come this morning and you need to hear a message. I need to hear a message on one of those two, two subjects. If you're one of his followers, 
It's a message of service. Defend his word. Obey his word. Share his word. Support others who share his word. Because harvests like this wait to be brought in. But if you're here this morning and you're like that woman at the well, you've never heard, you've never accepted, or you've never come to understand. Maybe this is the day you need to under understand and come to him. If we could help you and help you understand what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be saved, uh, just ask one of us. Maybe you come with a Christian friend or family member. They could have that conversation with you. We'd love to share with you what it means to be a believer in Christ. Even right now, in the quietness of your own heart, you could just right now say, Lord, I know you died on the cross. I've heard that many times. But right now, I want to stake it all on that. I want to stake my heart on that. I want to believe in that. I want to trust in that. And I accept that free gift of salvation that you say you honor, that you will give me. And you honor with that regard. So that promise awaits. And if we could help you with that. You need salvation. That's the message. We need a message of service. It's up to us to now go and serve. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be Living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.